to the Hubcast, where HubSpot users go for the latest product updates, inbound strategies, and pretty much all things orange. This episode of the Hubcast is brought to you by ReachForce. ReachForce has tools for verifying, standardizing, and enriching company and contact data, so you can worry about your campaigns, not about your data. Visit reachforce.com hubcast to learn more. Welcome back, welcome back to the cast with your du- dynamic duo, the Duff Meister, Sheridog, as she likes to call me. Welcome back, Marcus. Missed you last week. <sighs> Did you make I mean, it? Zachy B's great. We love him, but you know. He doesn't sing. Yeah. He doesn't sing. <laughs> he thinks he knows a little bit about video. That's questionable. <laughs> Either way, we have some developments finally at the inbound.com website. Yes, they heard us. They, they heard have, our murmurings. They have heard our weeping, wailings, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> we got tired of seeing 2017 highlights, considering that was two years ago. And so they said, you know, we should probably get rid of that and have just 2018 highlights even though they still haven't announced anybody or anything for 2019 which is interesting right i guess when you get so big and so bad uh, you just don't have to announce anything it's like just trust us they're gonna be good that's kind of what it feels like to be honest with you (laughs) it feels a little bit like they're like people are gonna go anyway so we can kind of just do whatever we want. I'm sure that's not what's happening. Right, right, right. But it right, does right. feel like that a little bit. It's got a little bit of that vibe going on, at least for us that pay attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they did introduce uh, just recently, there's four pricing options right now, right? Four pricing options. So you go ahead and take this, Duff, and I'll, I'll jump in with my thoughts here because we've got a community pass, We've got two all-access passes, and then we've got the power pass. So break it down. What's your thoughts on this stuff? Hey, there's really really one major thing that's changing. So the community pass has always been a thing. You can go to Club Inbound, and you can go to the, the keynotes, and that's basically it. Mango. Right now, it's $99. <laughs> yeah. Right now, the, the early bird pricing is $99. If you miss that after March 15th, it's going to be 200 bucks for all four days. The big change that they made this year is with the all access pass, which is really the thing that gets you most stuff. You can go to all the breakouts, all the spotlights, club inbound, you get food, I think. Um, And yes, you get food and you get hotel blocks, stuff like that. But The thing that they did this year that's totally new is they're now offering one-day passes. So if you only want to go or you're only available to go one day or two days, you can basically buy the days separately and not have to pay for the whole four-day pass. Right now, the the one-day is not really that much better of a deal than getting the four-day because there's early bird pricing. So for four-day all-access right now, it's 900 bucks, but it's going to go up to 1800 bucks on March 15th. So that's when I'm sure people will start buying the one-days. Um, right now, it's 
you might as well just get the four day pass. Um, but 600 bucks for a one day pass. So if you're really excited about like a certain subset of speakers on one day, if you're only available to be there one day, you don't have to worry about getting that entire pass and then trying to like scalp it to somebody at the door or something. Not that people do that, but not that I enjoy imagining that people would do that. You know, here's what's funny though. Cause I haven't picked on HubSpot enough yet today. And that is. Can you imagine if you got a community pass and you went to the event? You would literally have no idea it was a marketing event. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you just went to the you just went to the keynotes, right? So that's your only impression of the event. You're like, wow, this is it's like I, I think I went to TED. No, 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 you went to inbound. Huh, weird. I just thought it was like a TED talk. Mm-hmm. Very different than a business conference if you just went to the keynotes. Yeah. A tale of two conferences. You like that, Duff? I like that. I Honestly, I think people get the community pass a lot of times if they are with speakers or something like that and they want to go. Like usually they'll let you into mm. somebody's like breakout session if you're with them, but you have to have some kind of a pass. So I feel like people will just ah. get a community pass just right. for that. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that do it because they, you know, want to see just just the are you, keynotes. Are you applying as a speaker people. this year, Duff? Are you applying? I am, and I wanted to mention that okay. by the time this bring, episode bring, goes live, speaker applications will be open. So January twenty second is when they opened. Okay. So, okay, yeah. that's breaking news. Boop, 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 boop. So, do you know? Have any? I, I know you probably don't want to share all your secret sauce here, but uh, do you, do you know what you're going to talk about this year? I have some some ideas that I am going to vet with some other people. Okay. I'm okay. I'm kind of on the fence like partially because and I'll be totally honest with you, last year because I didn't get accepted as a speaker, I'm kind of like what what do I need to do to get them to want me? Back? See the light, Dad, on it. <laughs> like I I'm really I really want to have a talk that's like that's really, really good. That's not just, I'm just going to do it because I did it before. And because that's, you know, I'm a HubSpot person. And so I should be talking at inbound inbound. I really want it to be something that's going to be super valuable. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to got to make sure that it's, it's real on point before I submit. I think you're right. Will you, will you, of course I'm going to be applying. Of course I'm going to be applying. Dag on it. I mean, last year was was dope. I mean, it was I had, so fun. We I had was in one of your sessions, and it was amazing. The amount of people that were in that session—it was standing room only, and it was—I don't know how many, but it was like a thousand people yeah, in there. Yeah, he's not lying. I was there. And then we filled the room again for the encore session, and that was a blast. It was just—it was—it was great. And this is. The energy, this is why for anybody that's a, a speaker that is that really enjoys um, this community, which I love the HubSpot community, um, hopefully I'll, I'll always be speaking at this event until they say, Marcus has said too many bad things about us. We are throwing him <laughs> to the curb. All right, so let's just jump into our little episode today, Duff. Property of the week, this is when we, when we talk about the different properties that HubSpot has. And 
the one that you wanted to discuss this week, an interesting one, number of unique forms submitted. What say you, Def? Yes. You have a property, a contact property in HubSpot called form submissions, which is the total number of time they've, times they've submitted a form. The problem with that can be, depending on how you're using forms, some people use HubSpot forms for things like custom calculators and things like that. So somebody could have submitted a form like 20 times, but it was really the same form over and over again. And that's not really that helpful of a thing to know. So what's nice about this property is that it's the number of individual different forms that somebody has submitted. It could be a HubSpot form, just regular form, a pop-up form, or a collected form, which is a form that's not a HubSpot form, but has a tracking code on it. And it's going to tell you just- Would chat many... be included in that? No. If chat was connected, would that not be counted as a form? No. Okay. That wouldn't be counted as a form. Um, no, like bot submissions, I guess you could call them that. Um, just HubSpot forms, pop-up forms, and collected forms. What I really like do doing with this property is mostly retrospective reporting. So I don't imagine that you'd use this property like on your dashboard to see what's the average number of unique forms submitted. And I don't even honestly think that it needs to be you know, you need to try to get that number up or something like that. What I think it is really interesting for is that retrospective reporting on behavior to see people that have closed deals, what their average number of unique forms submitted is to validate things like your lead scoring. So a lot of times in our lead scoring, we'll use a property like if they've submitted this form and if they've submitted that form and if they've submitted this number of forms. So if we look back, we can validate and say, is that lead scoring criteria really accurate or helpful? Um, so I think it's super interesting definitely to look back on and look at over time, whether it's all of your contacts or your contacts that have closed, you could get some really interesting data there. And it may surprise you. That's why I like this property because I feel like people, especially when inbound became a thing, it was like, oh, we just got to get people to like download as much of our content as possible and convert as many times as possible. And so we'd look at properties like this and we'd expect, okay, if somebody converts on six forms, then you know we're going to really bump their lead score. But honestly, most of the time that I look at this, it's like zero, one, or two. Mm, yeah. um, it's kind of surprising, but it's different for everybody. So I would at least go and check this property out, uh, sort your contacts or filter your contacts by unique form submitted, and see how many people are actually really interacting with your content and, in a way that they're you know, submitting different forms. Um, it's, it's interesting. I like the- anytime you, anytime you really look at the data, it's a healthy thing. We don't do it enough. And now it's we make a lot of assumptions. We make a ton of assumptions. And that's why for me, <laughs> like so much of what I speak about today started when I was just looking at my HubSpot analytics. Once we started, they ask you answer and just saying what pops, what doesn't, what resonates, what doesn't really, what is, what is this consumer behavior that, you know, we can hypothesize about it, but the beauty is the data doesn't lie. The data doesn't hypothesize. It just shows you what is, right? Mm -hmm. There's a ton of value to be uh, derived from that.
It's good stuff, stuff. Good stuff. Hey, really quick, you're teaching. You're you're actually leaving on a uh, for a workshop today, mm-hmm. and I know we talk about your workshops sometimes, but this is this is something I think that's that that matters because let's say someone doesn't want to hire you but just wants to do a workshop, like almost like an audit in house of their HubSpot stuff. So you're going to go to you're going to go to a company that's been using HubSpot for you know, a couple months, and you're going to get ready to do this workshop. Give the the listeners a sense of what you're going to cover just so they have an idea of, okay, that's what it would look like in a perfect world. Really what I center a lot of these things around and, and where we start and where it goes, no one knows. No, where it goes a lot is different for everybody but the fundamentals of where we start with is what I call the journey of a lead. So somebody finds you, converts on your website, what happens after that? So that looks like life cycle stages. So we have to be able to define our life cycle stages if we're really using HubSpot effectively to know when marketing should be handing off a lead to sales, to know where exactly they're at in the cycle. And then we move into things like lead scoring because we may say, okay, in order to define an MQL and an SQL and then pass them appropriately, we have to have a way to automate that. And lead scoring is a way to do that. And then often we're going to dive deep into workflows and automation to make sure that all of this stuff is happening behind the scenes. Leads are getting assigned or passed off based on a sales rep's location or a region or a vertical. And so, again, you can see kind of how from the foundational level, as we're talking about things like uh, life cycle stages and lead scoring, things can kind of diverge from there depending on the organization and, and what your goals are. And really what I call these workshops, so I do HubSpot intensive trainings for people that are just starting. So it's like zero to 60 technical training. Let's train up your team on how to use all of the tools kind of more technically, click buttons, set things up. This, what I'm talking about right now, is really what I call my HubSpot therapy workshops, where we're going to spend time in the tools, but we're also going to spend a lot of time like with you lying on the couch and me asking you all of these questions Mm, to to figure out how exactly you're using the tools now and where you're trying to go. Because I think some of the problem with how people get educated on HubSpot generally is that there's a lot of education that's very broad and general and high level. That's like, you should be doing like, lead scoring, you should be doing life cycle stages, you should be doing workflows and lead nurturing, but there's no, if there's nobody to kind of translate all of that like inbound and inbound marketing and sales speak into an organization, um, into like real life, real business, then that's, I think, where people really get hung up and that's where you know we need to have some therapy. And so we get all the key decision makers into a room and we talk it out and we make decisions on the spot 
And then what I've found to be the most helpful is then I build a roadmap of the next, depending on where you're at, 30, 60, 90 days. Here's the things that you need to do in HubSpot. Here's the things you guys need to decide on together or work on together. And here's where we're going. I obviously get very excited about these, which is why I just talked about it for that long. But it's, it's, they're a lot of fun and you get so much more done when you have everybody in a room. We've talked about That's that That's what's before. amazing about it, right? Yeah. You really do. You can advance easily you know, a month or two or three in one day. That's, that's the facts. I mean, yep. I've seen, having taught now a couple hundred workshops, that's the facts. And speaking of workshops, we actually had one as a team. This is, and this is, this is, I think, relevant to, to uh, everybody that's listening, you know, over the last, so something really interesting happened for me a couple of years ago. I started um, having speakers actually were coming to me, Karina, and saying, I noticed how you go into the audience it always seems to go well, but I feel like if I did that as a speaker, it would blow up in my face. So what's the key to that? And so I started thinking about it, right? And it's like, okay, what is the key to that? And then I had more and more people saying, you know, I notice how you do, do this or do that when you're speaking, or you seem to have, um, you seem to be able to just really take somebody that doesn't want to agree with you. And they come around and they start to agree with you by the end, and I'm like, how do you how do you do that, right? And so I started thinking about it, like, how is this happening? So then I started teaching. It was about two and a half years ago, um, an event. Three years, no, could have been. I've been more than three now. An event called World Class Communication (WCC) in the UK. Started in the UK because I've got a good friend there, Chris Marr. Some people know him, and so started doing it in the UK, and found that there's. The, the art of communication and the art of the question is becoming lost in our society. I really mean that. And one of the things that we tend to struggle with with organizations is the ability to ask the right question or series of questions every single time. So like, Duff, if you meet with a sales team, for example, or if I meet with a sales team, I say, hey, how many of you are really good at asking questions? Most salespeople believe they're good at asking questions. Then if you put them through a series of exercises that legitimately test their skill to ask questions, the right question every time, most will then say afterwards, gee, I'm not close to where I need to be. The fact of the matter is, as businesses, as sales organizations, as marketing organizations, and internally, we don't see the world in the form of a question. And because of that, we don't induce enough self-discovery. We don't have enough depth in conversations. Our cultures of our organization struggle because of it, right? There's a lot of the, the you know, what, what is that? That chi score, that happy score of employees is like at an all-time low for many organizations. And we keep talking about culture, but we don't teach how to improve this from a communication standpoint. And I really believe that's where, that's where it starts. So we had this, what I felt was a tremendous day as, as a team at Impact where I was able to, to deliver this workshop last week. And it was amazing. It was a good time. And, it, and you wanted to talk about it in this episode just because I imagine you have some thoughts. But those are my thoughts. That's how it started. That's the background for anybody that's listening. Yeah, I mean, it just got me all fired up. <laughs> I, lo I love talking about that stuff because for me, I, I love speaking as well. I love being in front of people. It's, it's a comfortable place for me. 
And, you know, over the last couple of years, the more opportunities that I've gotten, the more I've really thought about how I'm communicating and how I'm presenting. And I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you, Marcus, and, and listening to some of your trainings. And something that I've been thinking about more recently, and I think this was super timely for me, is when I'm not doing a, a, a presentation or a talk where I'm up in front of people and I'm preparing specifically for it, I'm giving weekly trainings and ongoing technical trainings where I do have to teach people specific technical things like show them how to create a workflow or show them how to set up lead scoring. And I don't think that I've quite totally like thought about and really been intentional with how do I foster that self-discovery and ask the right questions within that technical training? And I think about question asking a lot, and this was just kind of pushing me to continue to take it to the next level. Um, I love, but I love the intentionality of it. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that that is where there's so much value for people when when people feel like you're being intentional with them it's just a game changer all around for rapport for your relationship and for learning and training together when they know or feel like you understand them you understand their issues their problems their concerns and that's so much of what you talk about in the wcc workshop and it really just kind of put those things to the front of my mind and got me really excited. And of course, timely for me to then be going to yeah, a workshop good this week. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is something I'm passionate about. And we, I, you know, I'd love to, for the community's feedback, I'd, I'd love to hear, what are you doing within your organization to train on communication, right? Not just sales communication. I'm talking about internal, external communication. What do you do with your managers to make sure that they ask the right questions when they're trying to help their team out? Do they think in terms of a question? Do they help induce self-discovery with those that are on their team? Or do they just tell their team what to do? Yeah. <laughs> Which is generally the case for leaders and managers. We like just to tell people what, what to do. It's because we wanna feel smart and we just think it's quicker. In the long run, it creases, creates more dependency on that leader, on that manager, which is not a good thing, and it stunts growth. So good stuff. Getting a little bit beta here on the Hubcast today, but it's very, very relevant, I know, to all of us. And so I want to move on now to our wish list item. And just real quick, this is interesting. Internal links and documents. I'm going to read this stuff from your notes, and then you expound. Currently, if you upload a PDF to the HubSpot documents tool, I'm not talking about the file manager here, but the documents tool, any links you have in the document will not work. Gagalicious. I could see how that would be a problem. What say you, Duff? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's I uploaded it to the or added it to the HubSpot user Slack, which side note, if you're not in there, I will link it up in the show notes here and under the wish list. But this is one of the more frustrating issues right now with the documents tool. I'm assuming that it's being worked on, um, but it's it's basically just kind of a glitchy thing where, and this is again, the HubSpot documents tool. So this isn't like if you upload it to a file manager and you link it out from you know a landing page or something like that. This is for the sales tool that's called documents. 
I know can get a little bit confusing, but this is the document tracking tool where you can see who's viewing your documents, what pages they're viewing. But essentially what HubSpot is doing right now with that tool is they're converting it into a PDF. I mean, they're converting the PDF into an image. And so you can't use any links, which just is so frustrating because most PDFs that you have, especially if it's some kind of a brochure or things like that, you want to link out to like a pricing page or all, any kind of website page and you can't do it. So get in there and vote it up. We need that improvement. That would be super great. A little bit frustrating. We went up. Yeah. Make it happen. Make it happen. And also I'll tell you who's making it happening and that's our sponsor reach force that's one word reach force duff tell us about reach force in this phrase dirty data i like that phrase dirty data yes reach force is helping b2b companies break the cycle of dirty data so if you've ever handled data which if you're using hubspot you absolutely have you know how difficult it can be to manage your data, to make sure that it is consistent across your contacts and across your companies. And really where ReachForce specializes is in that company or account level data. And so they have data enrichment, they have standardizing and verifying tools to make sure that the data that you have, especially on that company level, is really accurate and is deep. So they have all kinds of different sources that they use. And we talked about this last week, but I grilled them about GDPR and data protection and all of that stuff. And they are so on top of that stuff. It's awesome. And they have a HubSpot integration. And what I specifically wanted to mention today is they have a smart forms tool that's part of their HubSpot integration. Um, you can start a 30-day free trial at reachforce.com slash HubSpot of this tool what it does is you basically put a hidden form field on your forms. And then when somebody types in their company name, it actually gives them a dropdown of this massive directory of companies. So I would select Impact Branding and Design LLC. And then ReachForce is going to populate my entire company record with all of the data that they have on impact, like our number of employees, our annual revenue. And you may be saying, what about HubSpot Insights? Don't they give you that stuff? They do, but it's a little bit iffy how accurate that is. And they don't give you a ton of data. It's very random what they're able to find. ReachForce gives you actually a lot of data um, and even additional fields. So get on there and check it out, reachforce.com, or start a 30-day free trial of smart forms at reachforce.com slash hubcast. Do it, y'all. Get her done. Ooh. All right, so we want to close out with HubSpot updates, for which it appears there's no updates, although you do have a couple of observations, like, where did that come from, Duffy? So tell <laughs> yeah. us about that. Yeah, there's been no new product updates since our last episode came out, which has not happened in a while. At least they updated the inbound website a little bit. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> There's one thing that I noticed recently that I'm, I honestly don't even know when it came out. And then there's another thing that I, that I figured I would clarify. So the first one is you can now add descriptions to a contact-based workflow. I don't think you can do it with a deal or ticket or even company-based workflow right now. But if you're in the workflow editor in the top right where there's, it says more, 
in the dropdown, you can add a description and you can describe what's happening in that workflow, which is amazing. Um, and Baseballs. yeah. And we talked about a couple episodes ago, like more of this around workflows and now it's there. So I don't know if they just released it and they didn't tell anybody if it's been there forever and nobody noticed because it's kind of in an unassuming place. But if you haven't used descriptions for your workflows up until this point, get in there and do it. I'm having people like retroactively go in and do it. It's worth it. Even if it's just a couple sentence, like all this workflow is doing is this, or this workflow is doing this and it's dependent on these other workflows or these lists. Because sometimes if you go in there and you're looking at a workflow that somebody else created, it's like going and looking at somebody else's code that like, speaks a different dialect than you sometimes it can just get really confusing so this is awesome i may have just missed this somewhere in the hubspot update world but i'm excited about it it's last... it's re it's it's relevant yes it's, it's, it's relevant you know what i think we should do is one other one that is uh that's that we really need to talk about i think in, in our next episode because we need to give a little bit of time and that's discussing because people have asked us about it. What is the difference between HubSpot Video and Vidyard, right? Yeah. So for those that uh, are listening right now, we're going to discuss that in the next episode so that the confusion can be, can be cleared up, right? We can bring clarity to the masses because I, I, don't, I don't think that's well understood yet. And so that's an important thing to discuss, Duff. And so you all can look for that in the next episode which brings us to the end of this glorious glory what number episode was this duff 210 dos yes that's a lot that's yeah. a, that's a, that's very episodic yes episodic content it's we're just rolling yeah we are rolling like um like heavenly hash we are making it happen my friends so Duffy, I think it's time to bring this bad boy home. I think so. I think I'm just going just gonna to leave it at that. Hey, if you're listening on any kind of podcasting app, drop in, leave us a review, leave us some comments in the show notes. If you don't know where to find the show notes, impactbnd.com slash hubcast. You'll find all of the show notes there. If you have any feedback, anything you want to hear us talking about on the show, hit me up at cduffy at impactbnd.com. And until next time, this is Karina Duffy and Marcus Sheridan saying to you get out there and do some happy house bombing. <laughs>